Welcome back to WWC. I'm your host, Will Wright. Today we're asking the question, is man religious by nature? In other words, is, is religion a part of the human experience? Down deep into the very core of what human nature is. I know growing up in North Carolina, there was a lot of especially evangelical Protestants, uh, especially Baptists, who would say, you know, religion, organized religion, that's, that's not for me. I have a relationship with Jesus, uh, but religion is really opposed to the Gospels. Uh, but I would argue that religion is actually at the very heart of what it means to be human. And so that's what we're going to be diving into today. So let's start with, well, everything, really. I mean, reality exists, both the natural and the supernatural. So the natural realm is everything that we can detect, observe, or measure. This is part of the created order. It includes atoms, molecules, matter in general, but it also includes unseen forces like gravity, electromagnetism, and the like. So all of this exists in space and in time, in a closed system where matter is neither created nor destroyed. But is there more than that? Well, the more would be above the natural or supernatural. That's where we get that term, supernatural. Well, the supernatural is all that exists apart from the material and natural realm. So angels, demons, uh, the creator himself, all exist apart from the visible, observable universe. And truly, God deserves his own category, so to speak, as the only necessary being, whereas everything else is contingent on him. Because he created both the natural and the supernatural. So we speak of the things of our material universe as nature. We could say nature with a capital N. But here on earth, nature, as we think of it, tends to include the elements of earth, fire, water, wind, and life. However, there's another usage of the term nature, which I think is more important to our conversation today. The nature of a thing is the basic or inherent features of that thing. So when we speak of human nature, we're not necessarily referring to the things which can be observed in human behavior or external characteristics shared by homo sapiens. Human nature is the basic or inherent features of being human as human. So what's written into the very heart of man? What pertains to the nature of the human person from the beginning, now, and forever? This is what I mean by human nature. So all human beings, right, regardless of what time, uh, what era, what time period, rather what year, uh, no matter where in the world, uh, all human beings have the same nature. If they didn't, then they wouldn't be human. Again, the vital distinction is in the difference between observable behaviors on the one hand and those intrinsic and essential aspects on the other. So the former is merely behavior, and the latter is the necessary realities of being human. We are all human beings, right? We're not human doings. Um, So if someone has a mental disorder that causes them to act in a way that's opposed to human nature, they are nonetheless still human. This distinction is important because when we hear people speak of such and such phenomenon existing in nature, 
quote unquote, they draw the conclusion that the observed phenomenon must therefore be natural. And quickly falling apart upon an examination, this line of thinking leads to great confusion about human nature. Uh, a coworker of mine recently brought up the example of this uh, with the phenomenon of geophagy. Uh, see, in certain instances, pregnant women uh, will begin to experience an inordinate desire to consume dirt and clay. And the ingestion of this non-food item is compulsive, and it might derive, maybe they, they think it might derive from a deficiency in iron. At any rate, it's not normal, it's not well-ordered to eat dirt and clay. Uh, but geophagy, quote-unquote, exists in nature. So is it part of human nature to eat dirt and clay? No. Something is seriously off in this phenomenon. Just because some human beings do certain things or even desire certain things, have an inclination or attraction to certain things, this doesn't make it part of human nature. So I wanted to start with that, this idea that we all are human beings, we all have the same human nature, and because all human beings have the same nature endowed by the Creator, there's certain standards consistent across the entire human race. When we say what a human being essentially is, there's an implication of what human beings ought to be. From before recorded history, human beings have been self-reflective. And incidentally, self-reflection and powers of abstraction is an intrinsic part of human nature. But anyway, it's in this self-reflection that human beings have interrogated the known and the unknown within and without themselves. The fundamental questions resound through the ages. Everybody asks these questions in one form or another, both as a culture, a society, but also individually. Who are we? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? Why is there life at all? Who am I? What is a human being? What does it mean to be a human being? Is there something after death? Do I have a soul? And so on. These questions are universal, and every time and in every place, human beings have voraciously questioned everything. Many of these questions require philosophical investigation. Others require scientific examination. But philosophy and science can only get us so far in inquiry. From the beginning, human beings have also relied on the queen of the sciences, theology. Admittedly, theology was not called the queen of sciences uh, until the high Middle Ages. So I know that. Uh, but schools of higher learning used the trivium of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and the quadrivium of arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy to investigate the universe, both seen and unseen, within and without. But nevertheless, theology, as the study of God and the divine in general, that's what we could call religion, this queen of the sciences. And what is that? Before we can really define what religion actually is, we need to understand what we as human beings are capable of. The man is made in the image and likeness of God. And being made in the image and likeness of God is to possess a rational soul. Human beings have the ability to know things. We call that our intellect. We have the ability to choose freely the good. This is what we call will or free will. 
Endowed with freedom, man seeks the good and he's capable of understanding the ordering of reality established by the creator. So this is part of what we are capable of, what God has given us the ability to do. And given possession of a rational soul, man ardently seeks after reality, right? We're asking those questions. Why are we here? Who are we? What is, what is all of this for? What's the purpose of life? So the disposition of the soul towards the good, the good, the true, and the beautiful in practice is what we could call religion. And this word religion has derived diverse meanings over the last few millennia. Uh, the ancient Roman Cicero speaks, seeks religion uh, as deriving from the verb relegare, which means to treat carefully. Uh, on the other hand, the 4th century Christian apologist Lactantius says this. He says, we are tied to God and bound to him. And that word in Latin is relegati, uh, bound to him by the bond of piety. And it's from this and not as Cicero holds from careful consideration. And that word is relegendo that religion has received its name. So speaking in a more Neoplatonic mode, the great St. Augustine in City of God gives a sense of recovering God. So yet a third usage of this term of religion. He says this, quote, having lost God through neglect, uh, negligentes in Latin, we recover him, relegentes, and are drawn to him, end quote. However, he later leaves this idea in favor of Lactantius' view, saying, quote, religion binds us, in Latin, relegat, to the one almighty God. Now, when St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa is looking at these three views, he actually doesn't make a decision between these views. He sees them as all valuable. Uh, careful consideration, recovering God, and binding oneself to God. So in a general sense, religion is the free choice to subject oneself to God. We are binding ourselves to God and, and him to us in the practice of true religion. We're binding ourselves to God and him to us in the practice of true religion. So then we can ask the question, are human beings religious? Certainly, I think it's clear everyone would agree that some human beings are religious, but would it be proper to say that all human beings are religious? And controversy uh, is perpetual surrounding this question, especially in the modern world. How many times have you heard someone say, for example, oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious? Or perhaps you've heard the usually evangelical Christian idea that religion is opposed to the true practice of faith in Jesus Christ, which is really a relationship. However, I hope to show by the end of this short podcast that all human beings are truly religious at the deepest metaphysical level. So the first example uh, that I brought up of, of being spiritual but not religious is something that I'll get into a, in a moment. Well, let's begin with that second notion of relationship versus religion. So if religion is about a voluntary subjugation to God and binding ourselves to him and him to us, then I'd suggest that religion, properly understood, is entirely about relationships. Right relationship with God bears fruit in right relationship with neighbor. The practice of true religion, therefore, is all about relationships. 
So often when people levy this rejoinder, it's from a misconception or false view of what religion ought to be. Right? They see all the, the rules and guidelines and laws and things like this, and they don't realize that it's all geared towards relationship with God and relationship with others. So what about this idea of spiritual but not religious? So at the core of our being, as human persons, I'm arguing that we are religious. And this is the fundamental fact of our nature. Now, it's right to say that we're spiritual. Right? That first part, I'm spiritual but not religious. So they're right to say that they are spiritual, but it would be equally correct to say that we're corporeal. Right? We're body and soul. If we're bodies without souls, we would be zombies. And if we were souls without bodies, we would be ghosts. So our bodiliness and our spiritualness are part and parcel of our humanity. So yes, I agree, we are spiritual. But how then could we not be religious? The human heart is made to worship. The notion of worship uh, actually comes from a Middle English word, worthship. Uh, spelled like worth, W-O-R-T-H, and then the end, S-C-H-I-P-E, so worthship. Literally, this is an amalgamation of the word worth, meaning worthy or honorable, and the suffix ship, which means a denotation of a property or state of being. So to worship something is to show with the depths of our being, body and soul, what we put worth in, what is worthy to us. And this is what we worship. So centering and prioritizing our lives conveys what we worship, and it bears fruit in our actions. And I would say that's directly related to the virtue of religion. Oxford University professor Roger Trigg said this in 2011. He said, quote, we tend to see purpose in the world. We see agency. We think that something is there even if you can't see it. All this tends to build up to a religious way of thinking. If you've got something so deep-rooted in human nature, thwarting it is in some sense not enabling humans to fulfill their basic interests. There's quite a drive to think that religion is private. It isn't just a quirky interest of a few, it's basic human nature, end quote. And I, I think Professor Trigg hits the nail on the head. Religious thinking is basic human nature. All human beings have a hardwired religious drive. Now, an atheist might say that this is a bioevolutionary oddity, which motivated us in the past, but it's now really antiquated. Or they might say, that, like Karl Marx, that religion is the opiate of the masses. And I would say that the atheist and the, and the Marxist are in denial about their own nature and are dismissing as a nuisance the idea that perhaps God is in control. Because what is Marxism or atheism if not a deep desire for control over the uncontrollable or for knowledge over the unknowable. Everyone puts worth in something. If they're not worshiping God, who alone is worthy, then that religious drive, essential to human nature, will be directed to something else. The rub is that the new object of worth, worship, 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 same thing, will always be infinitely less than the Almighty. The new object of worship will be infinitely less than the Almighty God. And so aiming far below the way, the truth, and the life, man falls prey to his base desires and can never find happiness. 
So this conception of spiritual but not religious does not conform to reality. And it will always result in the worship of creation rather than the creator. Our soul at the deepest level desires to bind itself to the higher things. If we aim at God, then he will bind us to himself. And if we aim at lesser things, then we will be bound to them, to our detriment and perhaps even to our damnation. See, any attempt to repress, control, or snuff out human nature in the realm of religion has miserably failed and has always been accompanied by widespread human suffering. In the 20th century alone, we can look to the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, the Nazi regime in Germany, the later Soviet policies in Russia, the Cultural Revolution in China, and other instantiations of various forms of godless communism and socialism. Human nature is hardwired into our being at the deepest levels. The human heart will always seek out God and will only be satisfied in him. As St. Augustine said in the opening of his great work, The Confessions, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O Lord. Our, our restless hearts are religious. They want to worship. They need to worship. But the question is, who or what are they worshiping? And honestly, even for the believer, this exercise is worthwhile. What is the object of our worship? our desire, our ultimate affection. If the answer is God, then we must beg the Lord daily for the grace to grow in this. And if the answer is anything else, the pruning shears need to spring into action. So man is, in fact, religious by nature. And that's, that's hardwired into us. That's part of our human nature. So we need to realize that we are always going to be serving and worshiping God or something else. Hopefully, we'll choose the Lord. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Will Write Catholic. I'm glad that you're here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if it's, if it's been a positive influence in your life in some way, anyway, uh, I would ask that you please share it with your friends and family on social media and uh, help get the word out about this platform. I'd love for it to continue to grow. Uh, last week, we've, we finally hit 100 subscribers, which I think was a cool milestone. Uh, and so I'd love to keep, see that keep going. Uh, I hope that these have been a blessing to you, and I hope they've brought glory to God and uh, more fulfillment and happiness to your life as we continue to seek towards the good, the true, and the beautiful, and ultimately the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus Christ. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.